Welcome to Just Go With It, a podcast by 20-somethings for 20-somethings. Fun, flirty, and keeping it real. An absolute riot, these two. If it isn't over the top, it ain't us. They came out of college on top. Then life hit them in the face. Be a bit more professional, please. Couldn't shut us up then. Won't shut us up now. Here are the tips and tricks you are going to need to get through your 20s. We are getting into it. Strap yourselves in for a wild ride. Live on air. I'm Abby. And I'm Ashley. Good Lord, it's already season two. Grab a drink, take a seat, and get ready to just go with it. We could have called the podcast Rock and Roni, and we could have talked about the trials and tribulations of Corona. <laughs> or we could have talked about, we could have done this, oh, this is all inclusive, but we could have done this, we could have called the podcast Rock and Roni, and we could have had a TikTok channel, and it combined staying inside because of quarantine and the pandemic with making different macaroni dishes. <laughs> Shut up. Why didn't you think of that? I bet you didn't know where I was going when I started talking. I did think of macaroni, though, oh, okay. so same wavelength. Rock and roni. <laughs> or we make, we also can make little crafts out of, like, tiny pebbles and macaroni or something. Oh, my God. <laughs> Rock and roni. Okay, it's getting down a rabbit hole. Okay, I can, I'll leave that in. The fans might like it. Oh, God. And just like that, not to be confused with the Sex in the City reboot or the TikTok sound, we are back with another episode of Just Go With It. It's another Friday, so you know the drill. Happy Friday. Happy hour. Ashley, this is very rare that we get to catch up without having texted every hour of our lives outside of the podcast. So I'm actually really excited to hear how your New Year's Eve went. Give me some details. I was not expecting this question. It was really fun. Um, Favorite holiday of the year. We did have some trials and tribulations with uh, getting the ball drop and because when ev- no one has cable or like everyone has yeah. fire sticks these days. So there were some tribal trials and tribulations with that. Um, but we still had champagne at midnight and still counted down. I just didn't get to watch Anderson Cooper drunk on TV, which I know a lot of people yeah. are talking about on TikTok. And what's the other guy? Andy, whatever his name Cohen. is. Cohen. his name? Cohen, yeah. Oh, yeah, Andy he Cohen's a drunk one. one. Sorry, Anderson Cooper's not usually drunk. It's Andy Cohen yeah. who's drunk. Yeah, I saw some clips of that on the internet, and it was quite humorous. I wish I would have been more coherently watching that. Yes, happen. I exclusively drank champagne, which was cool. something new for me, but I was really into it. It's because there was balls and bottles of champagne, so it wasn't going to – well, wasn't going to run dry anytime soon. And did you have a massive sugar hangover the next day? No, because no. I'm Still young. young and spry. <laughs> Yeah, and that just proves to show you that we are young for anyone who's worried about time running out. Ashley didn't even get a hangover, so we're all doing great. Clock isn't clock is not ticking for me. Time is on my side. Actually, like we talked about in the last podcast episodes, with some things we're not doing this year is getting hungover. Before I went to bed, I said, Oh, I'm gonna sit here and have a bottle of water and I woke up yes. spry as ever. That it's, is so responsible. That's all it takes for me at this point. Good. And Was we that all like know. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds like you can hear that. It sounds like a baby screaming. <laughs> yeah, they honestly never shut up. They just want to be with us at all times. It's kind of like me with you guys in our college house. Twins. <laughs> twins, baby twins. Not to be confused with scotch and vodka. Yeah. If you know, you know. Did you win an official best dress at the party? Like I said, you should have brought your own trophy and presented it to yourself. I really should have because here's something I'm going to say. This range true for any scenario. You know you're the best dressed in a room when girls are giving you the side eye. The they kind of side you? eye 
It's the kind of side eye that's like, oh my God, why are you outdoing us kind of thing? And I'm not even saying that to be like pretentious or narcissistic. It's just, if you've ever been there, you know exactly the kind of looks that I'm talking about. But then the second they talk to you and they realize you're like a nice, normal person, everything's fine. But I didn't know most people at this party. So I was getting a lot of side eyes from strangers. Were other people in dresses at least? No, yeah, I definitely- It could be worse. People could just be going out like jeans and stuff. Or in tops. Right, no. Girls were all wearing sparkly something. Like there was a lot of sequin skirts, sequin tops. Girls had some of those little Happy New Year headbands and that kind of thing. So they were definitely dressed up, but mine was obviously like the most extra thing that I think anyone yeah. could ever wear. So if anyone is unfamiliar, I wore a full sequined zebra black and gold print jumpsuit. From where Diva's Closet? No, from this place called Posh Boutique in Nashville. <laughs> Closet um, closet is another good one. Closet with a K. Yeah, but I don't think I'll ever be wearing that again. It was a one-time, one-hit wonder. (laughs) I've worn the same New Year's headband for quite possibly like five years because it's not one of the ones that like are two in your face. It just says Happy New Year in like gold sparkly letters and it's very like... Sentimental. Yes, but it's just like not two in your face annoying. Or it doesn't annoy me when I'm wearing it. It feels like I'm wearing a regular headband and it's cute. Cute. I love that for you. Yeah. Did you get any fun sparkly pics? Did you have a disposable camera? I don't want to talk about the disposable camera. (laughs) Um, (laughs) No, I didn't. And you know what? It's for the best because we can't be dropping the money we're dropping on developing film. And I'm not going to build my own dark room in the backyard. Like, so. (laughs) In the shed out back. It's such an expensive hobby. I think I'm almost reserving it for my birthday and Mm -hmm. trips. Trips is a good one for sure. I Road don't trips, miss, camping. Or like if I know it's going to be an exceptional night out. But like I right. need to know it's going to be like the best, like most one. Like I'm not just going to do it on silly little things anymore. I can't You're like handle. everyone, you better have the time of your lives tonight because the disposable camera is in my bag. You think I'm going to take a picture of you sitting in my living room? <laughs> You're exactly. Nuts. You're like, get up, do something exciting. I want it to look like we're young, we're fun, we're getting drunk, but not hungover. Remember that video I have of you in my house at a party and you are in the bathroom and you're like, I'm... I told you that we were filming a Bachelor audition tape and you're like, I'm young, fun, 21, and I'm looking for love. (laughs) And I'm ready to find love. How could I forget? Yeah. One thing, one of my favorite things about Ashley and performative girlies, you will understand this, is that you are the yin to my yang in that my entire life I've been searching for someone who cares about me. To feed into it. Yeah, who cares about me performing because that's my personality is just being over the top and making people laugh and being dramatic and weird. And you feed into it sometimes I get mad at you though yeah no you put me in my place for sure it's like a mother dog correcting her puppy (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's just like that Ashley but you also feed into it and you hype me up and you film me all the time and it just brings me so much joy that simple act and so I just really appreciate what if I told you fill my cup up at all well then I think I'd probably go cry (laughs) (laughs) no anyone laughing at my jokes fills my cup up and it's either that I cry myself to sleep and who wants to do that? I don't think I know that audio. I'm sorry. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, well, other girlies want to. I want you to make that one in Gibby, Gibbs, mm-hmm. the one where she t- rolls over in bed and she puts on Sweet Home Alabama. And I said that that's <laughs> hey, every summer. Do you mind summer. if I play some soft music to fall asleep to? Thanks. I want you to do that with, I'm not sure what yet, but I'll assign you a song. I'm like still thinking. Okay. Keep that wheel turning. 
Yeah. And as that wheels turn in, I think it's time to introduce our topic of this episode, which I think is a really great one for the second episode of the new year, because we are focusing on mindfulness, getting back to our roots, we're bettering ourselves in 2022. And this is from one of these popular books that's going around, not the five minute journal. You might think it's that, but it's actually not. Is it 101 essays? Is that what it's to called? To change the way you think. And also at the end of the episode, we're going to talk about Evelyn Hugo, so stay tuned for that. Yeah, if you're a book reader, we got some fun um, book talk going on. Book yes. talk. Okay, so from this book of essays or this whatever you would call it. A it is a book of essays. And it's just all – is it written from the same author? Like yes. what's the rundown? It's one, one same, person? One gal. Um, What the hell is her name? Let me see. One woman, singular woman. Doing a the Lord's work, a one woman show, a one woman named Brianna, might be Brianna, double N, <laughs> Weist. <laughs> might be Weist. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Weist, it's I-E. <laughs> Brianna Weist or Brianna Weist. <laughs> I I think it's Brianna Weist. It's, it's definitely Weist, it's I-E. Okay, well, but- we got the Weist down. <laughs> <laughs> I see this one all over TikTok these days. I bought it for a friend recently. I wish I had bought one for myself too, and I didn't. So um, here we are. So we're going to go through some of the most important and interesting aspects of it so that you don't have to. And today's topic is expectations you must let go of in your 20s. And Sounds kind of like so the theme. Smart. I love when neither of us will give up the mic. Sounds kind of like the theme of our entire podcast. Yeah, like we are living pandemic years in our best, hottest, most exciting, fun years. And so we do have to let go of some expectations if we're being honest. And just being in your 20s because you know that one girl on TikTok I send to you all the time. She might be like later 20s and she's blonde and she does a lot of like put yourself. She might do the Jason scenario. Hmm. And one of her bits is like what you think you'll be at 30 versus what you actually are. And her what you'll think you'll be at 30 is always like, oh, me and Richard are like, going up to the vineyard this weekend and we're going to go to the Connecticut house uh, next month to do this, this, and this. And then we were actually like is at 30 is like calling your mom still for help. Trying to figure out what you're allowed to microwave and what you can't. Yeah. Not a plastic Tupperware. I'll tell you that. I know you do that. Only every now and then. Okay. Especially if there's BPA in it, you're going to die. All right. So real talk. We did glance through all of the expectations you must let go of in your 20s. And some of them were extremely intense and morbid. So we went ahead and picked out some five relatable ones that we think are the best that we can talk about and I think are going to be most relatable to you guys. So let's start with the first one, which is you need to let go of the expectation that feeling something deeply means that it's meant to be. Interesting. Um, yes, I think that this, a good way to look at this, uh, for, or what first thought came to my mind is when you're like 17 and you're really in love with someone and you think that you're going to marry them and have each other's kids and spend forever in love because you feel the feelings so strongly because you're so mm-hmm. young, but this, cause you feel that way doesn't mean it's going to happen or it's true. And the intensity with which you experience something or someone does not adequate how destined it is. So that's like when people kind of are looking for signs, I think a little bit like we kind of like to positively reinforce things we already feel. So if we want to feel a certain way about someone in a new relationship, a new job, a new city, that kind of thing, we look for all of the ways that we want it to feel destined and feel so strongly Mm -hmm. about them. But really, it can be forced sometimes. 
I'm going to keep reading it a little bit because it's interesting. Many people deeply feel that they're called to be famous in their field, but they don't have the skills or the grit to make it. True Most grit. People, true grit. Most people who get married feel deeply that they're in the right relationship, but that doesn't always mean that it won't end in divorce someday. That's depressing, but true. Breakups are meant to be. Job losses and hurt feelings and disappointments are too. And we know that this happens because... If you forget the picture of your life that you want your life to amount to, then it will never exist the way you think it should. And in the meantime, you can only ensure that you waste what you – sorry, I went on a rabbit hole. It will only ensure that you waste what you do have in the moment. Right, like if you kind of expand things in your mind and make it up to be something that it's not. Great expectations ruin present emotions. In Spider-Man, the most recent one, Zendaya's character always says, expect disappointment and you'll never be disappointed. Actually, Ali was just telling me that in the car the other day. And you know who else? Doesn't Vince Vaughn say something similar to that in Dodgeball? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, he plays a losery character, but he's like, if you set the bar real low, you'll always meet it, basically. Number nine is that you can control what other people think of you. So it kind of says that you can control how you treat people, but you can't control what they think in response. The idea that behaving in a certain way will elicit a certain response is a delusion. I think this is so important to remember because no matter how good of a person or bad of a person you are, there's always going to be some people that don't like you. You're not going to be And not even don't like you, but some people could perceive certain things you do because in X, Y, and Z way just because of their past experiences or just the way they make things out in their own mind. Yeah, and it's kind of a freeing mindset if you think about it the is. fact that you don't have any control over what anyone else thinks or does about you. Like, you can just go on living your life trying to be the best version of yourself, and, like, that's all you have control over. And my let in one of his episodes, Dave on Skin and Confidential, his most recent one, was talking about how the way that he boils stuff down in his life, any situations or interactions with people that are blown out of proportion, that he tells himself because of his past experiences, like with his family, the worst thing that could possibly happen is him dying. That's as bad as it could possibly be. He's like, so everything else pales in comparison. My, any fights with people, any disagreements, the way people get, think of him pales in comparison. And I also think in addition to that, a lot of times when you're young, I don't know if you got this a lot, but my parents or older people would always be like, do you really think this is going to matter in 10 years? I don't know why 10 years was always the 10 years is too big a jump. They should say like three. (laughs) Right. But back then it just seems like everything is such a big thing and you have such tunnel vision and everything's the biggest deal in the world. And -and so-and-so doesn't like me and there's this drama, but like there's very little things that are going to matter in 10 years. And it's such a good reminder to think that way and just realize like, not everything needs to be made up into such a huge deal. Like you're only causing yourself more anxiety. And nothing in my entire life, I was just telling my mother this, nothing in my life that I've built up in my own head, nothing has even come close to the way or like as bad as I built it up in my head. Right. Or everything that it pales in comparison. Our heads can be a scary place. (laughs) Like... Think about it. We're just here with our thoughts all day long, and sometimes it doesn't even feel like we have control over those. Well, it's not like a third entity. Your thoughts are you. (laughs) I know, but it's really hard. It's a muscle. Like, it's muscle memory, and if you have negative self-talk about your life or about the way you look or your job or whatever circumstance you're in, you have to physically retrain that part of your brain so that you don't do that anymore. So let's, in our in 22, let's retrain our brains to remember and to think about how we have no control of what other people think of us. 
And just do you. Stay in your lane. Remember the phrase that she used for this, but I was listening to Kara Kirkpatrick, who we've had on on her own podcast, Already Friends, and she was talking about how, which I think I do this kind of obsessively too, how she's always thinking to herself, I'm so lucky. Like, I'm going to, of course, I'm going to get this. Like, I'm the luckiest person ever. And now she just knows the stuff that happens. She's like, oh, that's because I'm lucky. And the same amount of stuff probably happens to her as other people when same Mm -hmm. with me. But I've convinced myself that I'm the luckiest person to ever live. So that's why I'm shocked when I like don't like win the lottery scratch off. I'm surprised. (laughs) It's kind of like writing the script for your life or the narrative that you think that you fit into. Because I am a believer that you're 100% in control over what you want your life to look like, who you surround yourself with, what job you're working and where you live and all that stuff. But you're not going to make any progress or start working towards living a dream life if you've written the narrative that you're unlucky or that people don't like you or you're not good enough for this, that, or the other. Just start rewriting the narrative. And I think that's the first step. It all comes from within. And I think I'm really pushing my script of my character onto everyone else because I was with someone the other day and they were like, oh my God, we'll probably get the first parking. Like you, that's space available. You're driving. You always get parkings. And I was like, I'm pushing the narrative. (laughs) That's so awesome though. Because then maybe they'll start thinking that way too. No, maybe they just think I'm the only lucky one. (laughs) They think, oh, damn, Ashley's got all the (laughs) luck in the world. (laughs) The luck of the Irish. (laughs) All right, moving on to our next one that we've selected is we need to let go of this expectation. Wait, which number is it? 11. Oh, oh, okay. Is your thoughts will change themselves when your circumstances change. This is a good segue. So most people assume that when their lives change, their thoughts will change. You can move to a new city. You can get out of a relationship. You can go to a new school. You can graduate from college. Our lives are always changing. But the thing is, what's going to be a constant, a constant denominator, if you will, is your attitude, your mindset, and who you are, your self-talk, all of that you carry with you, even though your outward circumstances are changing. You can't run away from your own mind. You just can't. And doing X, Y, and Z isn't going to solve whatever issues you might have internally going on. Or it'll put a temporary Band-Aid on it, but very temporary. It's not going to be like a long-term thing. Yeah, and this reminds me of a lot of different ways people can run away from their feelings, whether it be throwing themselves into work or relationship or hookup culture or alcohol and drugs. Yeah, there's so many ways that you can suppress your feelings, throwing yourself into TikTok all day long so you don't have to feel anything. I feel like I've been guilty of that before. Like I'm I'm doing it all day, every day. I'm like, what's your advice, Ashley? (laughs) I've, I've shared mine. What's yours? No, you can't run away physically or experience-wise experience from yeah. yourself. Yeah, so I guess unless you're willing and able to take the proper steps and measures towards really working on that self-talk and those, like really stopping those intrusive thoughts from happening, then it's just going to keep perpetuating that yeah. narrative no matter where you go. So start looking inwards, peeps. All right, next next step to bat. Next thing we have to let go of in our 20s is that other people are responsible for your feelings. This hits hard. This kind of goes in line with what we're talking about, but kind of on the flip side. I feel it. like people, I'm sure parents do a fine job, but I think someone needs to pound us into our heads when we're a lot younger. I know. Why do we grow up thinking this way, you think? I don't know. Because kids are so little, they shouldn't be responsible for as much emotional maturity as this can take. But like... Yeah. If your friend says something mean to you and when you're like seven and then you cry to your mom and your mom just comforts you and says, yeah, that wasn't very nice. But your mom doesn't say, well, you don't have to feel that way just because they said this. 
Right. Maybe it's I a like, new way of parenting. I don't know. I'm not aware of lots of parents these days. <laughs> new age. I like this quote. I'm going to read it. If you want to assume that you're the focal point of everyone's life and ascribe meaning to every passing comment and idea that doesn't soundly resonate with your own belief system, you're going to live a very difficult life, which basically just means people are going to disagree with you and that's okay. We don't want life to be boring. Yeah. We don't have to dive down this rabbit hole and I don't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole, but a lot of people (laughs) these days have issues with everyone has different opinions. Yes, our country is quite polarized, not even just politically, but just over a lot of topics these days. And I think people have become scared to even bring up their own beliefs around certain groups of people because they just don't, they either don't have the energy or don't want to get into it, or they think that someone's immediately going to write them off or hurt their feelings. And it's like, whatever happened to just being ourselves? I also like how she says defensiveness never precedes growth, it stunts it. That's good. It's true. I think I used to be a very defensive person and sometimes I still can be. But something I've noticed that I've been working on through my relationships, mostly just romantically, I guess, because I feel like my friendships are pretty solid. But sometimes I I watch your back. (laughs) Yeah, actually, don't drop me anytime soon. But I feel like sometimes I've been too defensive or too quick to place blame on others. And I think that that always leads to something worse and something I've tried to focus on fixing within myself Mm -hmm. is really being able to recognize when I am in the wrong. And I think I've done a lot of growth in that in the past two years for sure. That's nice. Yeah. (laughs) Just a little update for you. (laughs) I know you were wondering how I've been working on myself. It keeps me up all hours of the night burning the midnight oil thinking, how's Abby working on herself this week? You're right. You're the focal front of my every thought, aren't you? Ashley, do you think other people who are 23 say things like burning the midnight oil? Or I don't know. Or I don't know her from Adam. (laughs) Remember when we were in the car and it's like we were listening to that Matt Stell song about I Pray for You? Yeah. And we had this long conversation about what it meant to not know someone from Adam. Well, it's hard because it goes back biblically. I tried researching it. It's very multifaceted. I like talking about stuff like this, but save it for another time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Maybe we'll have a de- like debunking the myths of long leaded sayings and we'll like go into the origins of all of it. Um, okay, who's next up? Next up is we need <laughs> next up is we need to let go of the idea that focusing solely on your own needs will make you happiest. And this is a double-edged sword because there are some people out there, unlike Ashley and I, that are so selfless that they let people walk all over them. And that's a very real issue that some people have. They just give and they give and they give. And they don't focus solely on their needs. And so in that case, I would be telling people it's okay to be selfish sometimes. You don't always have to put everyone in front of you. But I think there's also a narrative for people in their 20s. And we're being told constantly that this is a selfish decade. You need to be focusing on yourself and your goals. And it's okay. You get a free hall pass, basically, to only care about yourself and your goals and bettering your life. And that's no way to live a happy, fulfilled life at the end of the day if that's what you end up doing. No. And back to Ed, Eddie Milet. You're listening to the Ed Milet show. <laughs> you can't get your voice that low. Um, I, I think everyone intrinsically knows this, but he verbalized it well in a podcast that when he's feeling his absolute lowest, that he tries to get out of his own head by doing something for other people, even if that's just having mm-hmm. a more drawn out conversation with the person who like bags or groceries or something. Just like getting out of your own head and pouring into other people. Yeah. And this talks about 
how it is important still being able to be self-sufficient and focus on your goals and be able to fill up your own cup before you can overflow because meeting your own needs is that first step, but not the ultimate goal. So it's really just a foundation to be able to be in a really good place mentally and in your life and accomplishing your own goals but it is not the connectedness on which human beings thrive. So they talk about how you have to commit and sacrifice and try again for the people that you love and those people around you. And that's when you're really going to feel fulfilled. And that's really beautiful actually, because think about how much, think about how much messaging we're getting on TikTok and our social media generation of like self-love focus on yourself. I'm such a big component of that. Like that's so important, but it could make for a very selfish generation. Oh, it's going to. Yeah. Things, things are going south. <laughs> Unless people are reading these 101 essays to change the way you think, it's going to. <laughs> things are going south. Things are awry. But yes, we're, you build that foundation, but it's like, great, I have this foundation for this house, but I don't have, and like I have the structure of the house and stuff, but like I don't have any of the components that make it the home. Imagine how also if you just kind of stay in your own lane too much and you're only focusing on your own goals, how sad is it going to be when you get to the top and you don't have your one person to celebrate that accomplishment with you, you know, because you've just been so focused on yourself and not pouring into others who want to do the journey with you. Isn't that a line from Lucas? He's like, who who would I want standing with me when all my dreams came true? And it was Peyton Sawyer. Well, you don't get a Peyton Sawyer if you only focus on yourself and you stay stuck in Lucas season one, selfish hoe bag. And to all of you One Tree Hill fans out there, I hope you're listening to the Drama Queens podcast like I am because I'm quite enjoying it. Are you listening to the Drama Queens podcast, Ashley? I'm going to be honest with you. I am so behind. And that's kind of or not uncharacteristic, but just kind of like weird because when it first came out, I would finish the episode and I would think, oh my gosh, I have to wait a week for the next one. And then what might have happened is I might have like gone on vacation. I might have like something that got thwarted where I didn't listen to it for like a few weeks and and it fell off my radar a little bit. So I'm behind. Yeah, I know that happened with me too, but I I was their number one fan. It's pretty fun actually watching it episodically only one a week, like how you would have to if it came out in 2004. Yeah. Um, But it's really interesting and I feel like you should get back into it. And any One Tree Hill fans out there who don't know about it yet, Drama Queens podcast, look it up. It's the three main stars and they talk about each episode one by one. It's so fun and so interesting. Okay, on to our latter portion of the night. Go ahead and pause now. If you want to take a brief intermission, go to the restroom. There's refreshments and for sale in the back. But we're moving on to the next portion of our evening, which is our most recent book. I feel like you didn't rave about it the way you raved about Daisy Jones, but it's The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. I would agree with you. I don't think I raved about it in the same way. They're both by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Which, which one did quickly... you think was better? Not, I... per, not character, not that you like the characters, but just overall better. I actually believe that Daisy Jones is better. Interesting. Yeah. And I I have a lot of reasons. Okay. I felt like I could have written Daisy Jones or something, but I just feel like it was a lot of more depth, emotional Mm. intelligence and depth and more character driven in Evelyn Hugo. Okay. Yeah. So for anyone who's just tuning in, we are talking about the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo. It's been all over book talk. If you are like us and you are just now getting into reading, we are pretty much reading some soft launches, some softball books that are really interesting, quick fiction reads that keep the attention and really make you fall back in love with books. 
Um, and if you didn't hear our last episode, one of my, actually my sole New Year's resolution is to read 50 books this year. I think I'm going to try and stick by what I said, which was I think every fifth book is going to be nonfiction. Yeah, Ashley reads more than me, so 50 books is a stretch for me. No, I only read about 50-some every year. That's a stretch, and that's stretching myself. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, we're normal people. We have lives. We're not just, like, sitting around. So that you're not – you're looking down a lot. Stretch your neck. (laughs) Yeah, make sure you hold your book up a lot. Align that spine. You'll figure it out. But basically, Taylor Jenkins Reid has become one of our favorite authors pretty quickly. We liked Malibu Rising, Daisy Jones and the Six, and now we're on to Evelyn Hugo. One True Loves is really good, too. That's the other one by her I've read. Maybe that will be my next. Yeah, that one's a quick read. Okay. So Evelyn Hugo, um, should we tell them a synopsis if they haven't read it? I mean, are you living under a rock? Basically, I I can say (laughs) the synopsis is there is Think... Um, the lucky one, Taylor Swift, think Liz Taylor. Um, basically those two things. Think of those two things, and that's who Evelyn Hugo is. She grows up, it becomes iconic Liz Taylor level Hollywood glam. And Here, I've got the log line. The novel tells the story of the fictional old Hollywood star Evelyn Hugo, who at the age of 79 decides to give a final interview to an unknown journalist, Monique Grant. So it's this really, really famous like Marilyn Monroe character, if Marilyn Monroe would have made it to age 79. Taylor. Right. And she goes back and talks about all of her glamour in the Hollywood, and she has seven husbands, and that's all anyone really knows about her from the tabloids. But the story is so much more layered and interesting and so many twists that you never would have imagined. Yes. I rated this book a five because I would already read it again. I I read it about a year. The way I, well, the reason I rate stuff a five is would I read it again in like four months? And I think I said I would have at the time, but I haven't yet. Interesting. Like I don't know really if that's quick why. turnaround read for me. Right. I give it a 4.5 out of 5 because I decided I'm going to start giving my scales 0.5s because I think there's a big difference between a 4 and a 5. Well, I'll, I'll even do a 0.7 or 5 point. Oh. Sorry, 4.75. Oh. I'll do a 4.75 even. Okay. Or I'm trying not to give out too many 5s unless I really mean it or else I feel like 5s, they can't just be thrown around left and right. No, you know? that's true. So I'm trying to be sparse with them, but this was definitely up there. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I read it pretty quickly. It was definitely a great book to read while you're traveling on the plane. I loved Did the- Did you tear up? Um, to be honest with you, no. And that's surprising because I am a cancer and I cry at the drop of a hat. But it's not that I didn't love the characters. I think I saw something bad coming. It's kind of like in the movie. If you're watching mm-hmm. a movie and you know that something bad is going to happen, but you're not exactly sure what it is. I kind of knew. Mm-hmm. We won't give it a, that spoiler away. Certain things happen throughout the book that the whole thing are has sad. a lot of heartbreak in it. Yeah, but also there's a lot of beauty and glory in it. I really like the way that she wrote the protagonist as a double-edged sword because you kind of love her and you kind of hate her, and that's how all of the world saw her. Like some loved her and some hated her, and like that's what made her famous was just she was mm-hmm. so interesting and not boring, and you had to take notice of her one way or the other. I have some discussion questions that I think we can explore a little bit. And before each question, Ooh. we'll see if it'll give away some stuff. Um, okay. I don't think this one will give away anything. So later in the book, Monique, the reporter, says, I hate Evelyn, but I like her very much. How about you? This, is, this isn't Monique anymore. This is me. How about you? Did you like her? Did you hate her? Uh, did you both ways? What did you think? I think I really liked young Evelyn, young underdeveloped Evelyn before she became – 
a monster that she might have become later in her life. Mm -hmm. I think I admired her chutzpah. I admired her drive and her willingness to to quite literally do whatever it takes and her self-awareness to know that she is not that great of a person. But that kind of develops later. I don't think she always walked through with that self-awareness. I feel as though Evelyn did what needed to be done in Mm -hmm. every scenario. I don't think she ever did anything maliciously that was out of control for the sake of being bad. I think she did what she felt needed to be done for herself. And also, there's a difference between loving and liking someone. I like Evelyn. I don't love her, but I like her. I think she's hilarious, and I think that I would be someone who'd be in awe of her, just like everyone else, like Monique is. Um, but I agree with her. She said this on herself. I don't think she's a good person. And she would agree with me on that. Who was your favorite husband? Oh, that's a fun question. Okay, obviously I'm going to say Harry Cameron. Well, yeah, he's the best. He's the father of her child. He was so selfless and he was always there for her. He was her best friend in every way. He was, I'd argue in some ways, Harry Cameron was the great love of her life. In some ways. In some ways, yes. I was very disappointed with her second to last husband. Which one was that again? It's been a while since I read this. Um, Max, whoever. What was his like defining? What was his distinction? Um, he like loved the idea of being in love with her and being seen with her and being oh, married yeah. to her, but he didn't really know her to her core. Yeah, like wasn't in love. Did with her. you like how they called each husband the blank? Yes, how each thing yeah. was separated by that. I thought that was fun, and I think though that also shows that that they almost meant nothing to her yeah but like it's like, oh, like that she was can that compartmentalize one. them into those little files As their personalities not even their names i don't know why i even had to think about it harry cameron is the obvious choice yeah for best husband um and also i think it's interesting that they put because it puts you in evelyn's mind more that it's like the defining characteristics of the man because some of them made them sound pathetic or some of them made them sound like jerks yeah. And I guess they want you to have that in your mind already before you learn about the husband. And I think it was so fun, the marriage with Mick Riva and the way that whole little section oh, yes. was written. And I also love when authors cross like characters over into other yes. books. I think that's so fun. It's like you already know something about them, kind of. And also, Daisy Jones doesn't cross into either of these, does it? I don't think so. She should have made Daisy Jones cross into Malibu Rising. She totally could have. Like, she could have been at the party. Sense. Yeah. Well, we don't know. No, because she would have been old. Well, that would have been fine, I guess. One of her kids could have been there. Something should have still been more defining where they, like, cross over. Did that one get written after Daisy Jones? Yes. Yeah, Malibu Rising came out, like, a year ago. Interesting. Yes. Celia and Evelyn had an on-again, off-again relationship. Some of it had to do with social pressure, but it was also because of the choices they made. The typical pain of misunderstandings and unintended consequences that can harm any relationship. Which of these consequences and decisions did you find the most painful or the most heartbreaking? I think one that stands out to me that was really heartbreaking was when there wasn't clear communication about boundaries when it comes to, well, I guess this is going to give it away. We already gave away so much. Only the first question didn't give anything away. Okay. Well, when it comes to her bisexuality and how she is still able to have feelings for men and Celia obviously felt very betrayed by that when she does would have she, to- I have a question. Does she, since you just read it, does she ever call herself bisexual a lesbian or does she never even say those words about herself? I don't she's, remember. She calls herself bisexual. Okay. 
Yeah. So like Monique is like, oh, are you ready to go on record as being a lesbian? And she's like, don't even like try to put me in a box. I'm bisexual. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Which she's like, I have the capacity and the ability to love a man and she enjoys having sex with a man, which makes her bisexual. But she's not really into women in general. She's only into Celia. Okay. Yes, that's interesting. It is interesting. But Celia is by definition a lesbian. Yes. Yeah. So that just complicates things so immensely because Evelyn her whole life has used men to get what she wants and she continued to do that throughout her life with no regard for how that would affect Celia. And there's multiple times like the Mick Riva incident and like the um, incident later in their life when she has that award-winning sex scene with her ex-husband Don Adler and she doesn't tell Celia beforehand. She just wants to do it for the creativity of it all and because she knows that she would blow it out of the park. But that really affected Celia, and that's what caused them to break up twice was her affection with men. Do you think Evelyn ever finds it or, like, do you ever think she gets angry that she can kind of manipulate men, even if she does love them or doesn't, into kind of, like, best serving her, but she can't manipulate Cecilia or Celia? Celia, one of the reasons that she was such a great love of her life was that she knew that it was her one vice and she liked that. She liked that she couldn't control everything and everyone around her because Celia would always know how to keep her in her place and that challenge excited her. Spoken like you're Evelyn yourself. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I think. It's very fresh in my mind since I just read it a couple weeks ago. I finished it. Okay, number 10. I'm like condensing it. But they're basically, it's saying that Many actors during that time frame were closeted. Um, But do you think today that it's still as don't ask, don't tell? They said that, not me. As don't ask, don't tell as it was back then. Do you think there's still a lot of actors where the studio or their managers or publicists are saying this cannot get out? Like do this in your own time, but it can't get out. I think it's probably more common than we're assuming that it is. Along with arranged relationships. That's more common too, I think, than we think. Because we all assume, like, it's 2022, there's all this acceptance movements and all these things, and that's true. There's been so much progression. But I think still, to its core, Hollywood is always going to be a little bit messed up and a little bit behind because it's an idealist thing. Like, what we see in the movies and on TV, they're all, like, idealist situations and lives and people, and therefore... Every single thing and every single aspect of their life outside of the movies has to also be scripted. Like they have to have a narrative that they follow in order to get paid, in order to do what it takes, again, to be the biggest and most successful that they want to be. And so I do think there's a lot of people in general just not being able to be themselves, not even just their sexuality, but just there's no such thing as yourself. You don't even know what it is in Hollywood anymore. How sad. I know. Don't chase fame, people. It's not all you it's know. cracked up to be. <laughs> you know, when you watch a movie in a theater and you walk out feeling like like you're like a cowboy in Yellowstone or something, like you take on that persona. Yeah. Well, if you feel like that from watching two hours or something, imagine what it feels like to be that person for like months while you film. Or years. Like some or movies years, take yeah. a whole year. It's crazy. Or like TV shows go on for years and years. Yeah, I feel like it's very easy to lose – most of yourself and to even know what parts of it yourself that you lost because you're just going from one project to the next and you're always being told who to be and how to act and who to date and who to not date and it seems like a very taxing job being in the limelight okay this one says evelyn was once told that quote unquote heartbreak is a loss divorce is just a piece of paper do you agree or disagree i think that is so harsh (laughs) 
That is so harsh, but, but it makes sense I in understand. her situation. And it makes sense in other situations, too. I don't know. It depends on how you view marriage as a whole. Well, even taking Evelyn aside, even looking at Monique and what she realized about herself and her marriage through talking to Evelyn. I forgot about that subplot. (laughs) Yeah. So basically she realized that she wasn't so upset that David, her husband, had left her or that their everything wasn't working out because she was sad and she missed him and missed being married to him. She was sad that she had failed and that the marriage had failed. And those are two very different things. And once she was able to realize that she was able to let him go so that they could go find someone that makes them feel like they would actually be sad about missing that person for who they are and their love as opposed to just their commitment. Yeah. Failure versus loss of the person are two infinitely different things. I think that's so true. Because if you're okay, just Well, not okay, but if the thing that gets you is just failing with anybody, then Mm -hmm. you're better off choosing the failure than the non-failure. I know, it is really harsh to think about, but I think that's so true. Did you catch on about who Monique was at all? Because I caught it on a few pages, I think, before they said it, but that was only because of the surprise in Daisy Jones. Oh, well, I knew it was something to do with her lineage the whole time. I knew it was something to do with like, I didn't know if it would be directly correlated to what or like someone that her mom knew or she was secretly adopted even from like someone like I knew it had something to do with her parents and that Evelyn had some crossover in her life with that. But I didn't really connect it to anything specific. I actually tried not to think too hard into it because I wanted to be surprised. Yeah, sometimes I spoil it for myself. <laughs> yeah. I Sometimes I just enjoy the journey. Like, I don't need to figure it out before it comes, you know? This one's really interesting. I want to know your opinion. Quote, okay. unquote, men were almost never with me for my personality. It's not so great being loved for something that you didn't even do. End quote. Mm-hmm. Evelyn understood clearly that being pretty wasn't a skill, but it was something that men wanted and valued. How things change from then to today. I don't think too much has changed. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, reigns true today. Look at TikTok, okay? If you're hot and you show your body on TikTok and you dance in swimsuits and whatever, you're going to become a quote-unquote influencer. Like, people are going to follow you. You're going to rack up the followers just from being hot. You're not gifted any of that. I mean, you're just born with it. It's not a skill. And do you think, in general, generally speaking, when it's time to get married – more men would just say, like, well, she's gorgeous, so, like, and but I'll forgive more things versus um, women saying, like, I'm not willing to bend on this, this, and this, despite him being gorgeous. 100%, because I think like men, men, versus women. men are yeah. more visual beasts than women are, <laughs> first of all. It's true. Like Fantastic beasts and where they came from. <laughs> yeah. There's so much psychology done on this, but it's just true by nature. Men are more visual and more visually stimulated. And so I think a lot of men too, they're getting that emotional side from women that they don't get from their guy friends. Whereas us women have such strong support systems from our female friends and our mothers and even other emotionally dependent guy friends too that we can pull from yes so that we don't have to lean on our romantic relationships as much as men do so yeah i think men totally are more willing to compromise if the woman is attractive to him than a woman would be yeah which of evelyn obviously like we already said is a little bit chaotic to say the least which of her like strategic moves 
did you find the most admirable and which the most distasteful? I thought her strategic move with marrying McReva for the reasons that she did was so smart and so swift and so calculated. Mm-hmm. And I remember being very impressed with her composure and understanding of what it takes to get what needs to be done done. Um, so I remember yeah. that one being very impressive to me. Okay, I find this one more heartbreaking that she knew at such a young age, like I should marry this man just so that he can take me to California and then I'm going to drop yeah. him and I start making traction. I like, know, it's just like, tasteful for me. Herself, oh, yes. Yeah. So. Well, from a young age, I think she was figuring out how to use her body to get what she wants. Yeah. And she continued to do that, but it just became more strategic in a way later yeah, on. Calculated. And when she was a kid, there was a lot of fumbling around at her young age. But when she let that really gross producer like go down on her when she was oh. literally 18, yeah. I was like, is this going to be one of those books? Like that was really off-putting. I think that's and very that's, accurate for even today. Yeah, that was. I'm sure that happens all the time, but that was like very distasteful to me too. I was like, oh my yeah. God. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. Yes. I can't think of which one I think is admirable. I don't remember enough details. I know what's distasteful <laughs> in a way. When she found Harry Cameron drunk and slumped over the front wheel of his car oh. because he hit a tree. And she immediately, out of her loyalty to him and his reputation, took him out and then moved the passenger into the driver's seat so that he wouldn't have to okay. pay any issue to what he had done. I thought that was dumb. Okay, well. She should have just left that man in the passenger seat, pulled out Harry and said, come with me. It's the six. When, when was this? The 80s, 70s? Nevertheless, it was before all this advanced ways to know things. So no one would yeah. ever know. I think the fact the reason that she did it was because he had a pulse and he had a breath. And so she thought, oh, well, if he lives on, he can't be under the reputation as the guy who killed someone for well, manslaughter. W- won't be. That would just be so random. Just some car wrecked up there. She could have said she found Harry anywhere up in the street or something she didn't have to say it was a car accident yeah i think yeah i don't know i don't know (laughs) it just that whole thing happened so quickly and i thought it was so interesting that she was with basically that taxi driver and then the thing that he wanted the next this was such a brief part of the book but actually it stuck with me that she was like you i will give you whatever you want you have a night to think about what you're going to ask from me so that you can keep my secret of what you did for me and the next morning he was like i want you to make me famous I want you to make me a mega star and that she just had the power to do that and that she was like five to ten years ago I would have admired him and thought that I saw something of me in him for like being willing to do something like that but now she's kind of grown older and is recognizing it's how sleazy literally that is the lucky one Taylor Swift yeah I would have asked for money <laughs> I think what he was was smart what he did was smart because you yeah. could ask for money but that doesn't mean you're going to get roles you're not going to be set for life but even if Evelyn gets you, like, five roles, if you're not good at them, you're not going to keep getting them. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just thought it was really interesting. Yeah. I also feel as though Harry was the great love of her life and just the way she described him dying and how mm-hmm. heartbroken she was versus when Celia eventually dies. Just It was a lot more heartbreaking, Harry. I think a big factor of it, too, was that she took Harry for granted and everything he meant to her and everything he gave her versus Celia. She put on a pedestal her entire life, had her held up so high. And then she also she knew that Celia was going to die. So she had a lot of time to grieve before she passed away. But do you also feel like Celia kind of treated Evelyn the way Evelyn treated other men? No, I think not to not she, to that degree at all, but just more like Celia was in the position of power when it came to Evelyn. Evelyn was always in the position of power when it came to men. 
Yeah, I think maybe to an extent, but I think Celia and Evelyn to their core were very different people. Absolutely. I think also Harry might have been more heartbreaking because I feel like Celia was like her lover and Harry was also her lover, but also her best friend. Yeah. And the father of her. Only and child. the father. Yes. That's a big deal. That's he was a, a big bigger deal. part of her world in many ways. And Celia was. Harry yeah. Cameron's the unsung hero of this book. <laughs> Harry Cameron can do no wrong. He stayed in his lane. He had his romantic affairs. He kept them quiet. He never made a mess of it for anyone. And no one. Except after he lost the love of his life, he did become a drunk. That's his But downfall. he was entitled for to a little bit of grief, I suppose. Yes, it did get this other I mean, man killed. I mean, that was a problem. <laughs> yeah. For sure. We did, haven't finished our cast list, or I haven't. I'm Abby might have, but we'll put those on our Instagram story. Yeah, those are always fun. If you're new here, that's something Some that people request here. them. <laughs> Some people have DM'd and said, are you, have you done more cast lists? Yeah, it's so fun because obviously when you read a book, you picture people in your head to play those characters. But then if it's time to make a fake fictional movie about it, we can be in the driver's seat and cast who we want. So we'll and share sometimes that on I'm Googling Instagram. like black hair, blue eyed male actors in Hollywood. And I'm like going through like a list of like 50. Over age 20, but under age 40. <laughs> totally we're not even tapping into when we do that i personally don't tap into models influencers or theater actors and i probably should yeah or like sports people i don't tap into any of that it could take so long if we like really put time into it oh and also it knows no like age limit or like acting Mm -hmm. capabilities it's purely based on looks and a little bit of a vibe but not too but i felt like for this specific cast i think it was important to cast young and old um yes yeah yeah spans the decade decade already you guys well thank you so much for listening i hope that you enjoyed all of our things that we picked out about expectations you need to let go of in your 20s and if you're an evelyn hugo fan i hope that you felt like you were listening to two friends in the same room as you talk about all of the good points about it and that's our show hey thanks for listening abby just entered a competition for the world's fastest talker so here she goes If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe on Apple, Spotify, podcast, wherever you find your podcast and leave us a review. And if you're looking for even more fun and comedic relatable content, follow us on Instagram and TikTok and just go with it. Podcast and that's all for now. And don't forget to just go with it. <laughs> <laughs> Scene. <laughs>